This is episode 455 of the AWS podcast, released on June 20th, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. So I'm here with you. Great to have you back. And I am joined by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. How are you doing? Hi, Simon. Happy to be back, as usual. We finally got the band back together for our update shows because you've been doing a lot of the launch <laughs> episodes to help people understand new services, which has been pretty exciting. They have definitely been a fun time, but I've missed you. <laughs> well, I'm sure our listeners have too. And let's get into it. Let's start with the topic of analytics. Amazon Athena Engine version 2 is generally available in all AWS commercial and GovCloud regions. Now, customers who use this new engine version, which is version two, get new features and performance enhancements that make analyzing data easier and more cost effective than before. I have switched my own and I can attest to that. Some of the new things you get, Federated Query, which expands the reach of your data lake by allowing you to query data sources stored on premises or in the cloud using easy to deploy connectors. With user-defined functions or UDFs, you can apply custom functions to mask sensitive data or use other services to do things like translate data, etc. Uh, Athena's integration with Amazon SageMaker allows you to generate predictions from their machine learning models and user results and in reporting and dashboard applications. And you can also now use location-oriented insights in your data using an expanded set of native geospatial functions. And I know a lot of folks wanted to get hold of that one. And also there has been some recent enhancements to Athena's query engine to help reduce cost and improve query efficiency, which always gets my attention. New and improved engine behavior for nested data and predicate pushdown results in faster queries with less data scanned, which means you pay less and it goes faster. Queries using order by or window functions now benefit from automatic spill to disk to reduce out of memory errors. So this is all good stuff and I can attest the upgrade is easy. It's a few clicks in the console. Love that. A few clicks are awesome. Indeed. AWS uh, Glue Studio now includes a code editor for customizing your job scripts. So the code editor is now included in Glue Studio. It, it is, uh, allows you to customize your ETL code and it generates from your input its visual ETL job editor. Previously, you had to download and modify the scripts themselves if you needed to customize that code. Now you can, of course, use the visual editor to get started quickly and then write code only for the unique components of your ETL job. That's really nice. Glue Studio wasn't quite done there. They also now allow you to specify streaming ETL job settings. So they allow you to specify the settings for your streaming ETL jobs in the visual job editor. This feature allows you to optimize your Glue streaming ETL jobs for your use case, and you can choose the window size for reading data from the data stream, whether to detect the schema of each record or use the schema from the AWS Glue data catalog and connection settings that fine tune how the AWS Glue job reads from the stream. And lastly for this topic, Amazon EMR Studio is now available in 13 regions. So it's available in US East 1 and 2, US West, Canada, all the regions of Europe, and all the regions of Asia Pacific. EMR Studio, just as a reminder, is an integrated development environment that makes it easy for data scientists and data engineers to develop, visualize, and debug big data and analytics applications written in R, Python, Scala, and PySpark. Very nice. Moving on to the topic of application integration, some pretty cool updates here. Amazon MQ now supports Active MQ version 5.16.2. Fixes, improvements, new features, all the good stuff. 
A really nice new one is that Amazon SNS now supports SMS Sandbox, say that three times fast, and displays available origination IDs in your account. Now, this is a big deal. So let me walk through it a little bit more. Love this one. Yeah. So- As you probably know by now, if you've listened for a while, Amazon SNS is the fully managed messaging service that supports application to person workloads, including mobile text messaging through SMS. Now, when you start using Amazon SNS to send SMS, your SMS workloads start (laughs) in an isolated (laughs) testing environment called the SMS Sandbox. Lots of S's here. This is testing by S Audio. Now, this is really important. I'll, I'll give you the background now. So to increase customer trust in SMS... The A2P industry across various countries has set new policies and requirements for commercial entities to be able to send SMS to consumers. For example, in India, the Telecom Authority of India introduced regulation requiring each commercial entity to register their sender ID as well as their SMS message templates. In the US, telecom carriers started requiring that each commercial entity register their SMS origination ID to send A2P SMS messages to US phone numbers. So Amazon SNS announced support for the TRAI requirements for sending SMS to India, as well as support for 10-digit long codes and toll-free numbers for sending SMS in the US. So basically a lot of, yeah, a lot of regulators are, are trying to make sure that we don't get that sort of spammy type SMSs, but it means you have to do a little bit more work. And it also means in the quote unquote old days, i.e. a few months ago, you could just spin up your SNS mm-hmm for SMS and test it. I use it for a lot of my own alerting in some of my applications and it would just work. Uh, That is no longer necessarily the case depending on where you are. So now we have the SMS sandbox and this provides an environment for you to safely develop and test your SMS workloads in Amazon SNS. Whilst in the sandbox, you can add up to 10 destination phone numbers and verify them via one-time passwords using either the SNS console or the SDK. You can then use Amazon SNS to send SMS to those verified (laughs) destination numbers. Now in the SMS sandbox before your solution is enabled for production use, you can perform development and testing till the cows come home. You can do all the stuff you need to do. You can then also confirm if you need to take any steps to comply with country specific requirements, purchase and register the required SMS resources like the identities, etc. And also don't forget to set the SMS spend quota. That's another thing that we we have in place is a quota so you don't overspend on your SMSs. It's a easy one to forget about. And then you're like, hey, my SMSs aren't sending. Send more. It's like, well, no, because you have set a quota on them. When you're ready, you can then apply to move your account to production, which enables your application to send SMS to unverified destination phone numbers. All this is good stuff to make it easy for you to be compliant, but also develop. And finally, in this topic, Amazon AppFlow now supports documents with Vima. So now customers can export documents from Vima Vault into S3. And that makes it nice and easy to copy data across and consolidate what you're doing. Nice. Moving over to the topic of blockchain, Amazon Managed Blockchain now supports customer-managed customer master keys. So they now support CMKs for Hyperledger Fabric Networks. Customers can encrypt new member-specific resources using their own CMK. And these CMKs are declared in AWS KMS, our key management service, and used by Amazon Managed Blockchain. Each member can use their own CMK and manage it according to their security policy. And uh, lastly for this topic, Amazon QLDB now supports IAM-based access policy for particle queries and ledger tables. So QLDB now supports IAM-based permissions for QLDB authentication, query, and data access. This release builds on the existing QLDB permissions model 
adding separation of access by particle, command, and ledger table. With this feature, QLDB customers will now be able to implement more granular database authorization and access policies that meet stricter security requirements. Moving on to the topic of compute, AWS Lambda extensions are now generally available in all commercial regions. Now, AWS Lambda extensions are a new way to integrate your favorite operational tools for monitoring, observability, security, and governance with AWS Lambda. So starting now, extensions are generally available for all commercial regions, and there are new performance improvements and an expanded set of partners, including Imperva, Instana, Sentry, Site24-7, and the AWS Distro for Open Telemetry. Now, extensions use the Lambda Runtime Extensions API to integrate deeply into the Lambda environment. They control and participate in all phases of the Lambda lifecycle, which is important. So you get function initialization, invocation, and shutdown. Extensions from AWS, AWS partners, and open source tools give access to a wide range of use cases. So for example, you can use it to prefetch configuration secrets before your function handler is executed or send function logs directly to any destination. Now with this release, the Lambda service returns the response from the function as soon as a function code is complete without waiting for the included extensions to finish. This is kind of a big deal because this enables extensions Mm. to perform activities like sending telemetry to a preferred destination after the function's response has been returned. Um, Nikki, this is a big deal because it it really uh, makes it more efficient, doesn't it, in terms of the execution cycle and what's synchronous, what's async. So you can asynchronously perform other tasks but still respond back to your to your caller. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good thing. So yeah, if if you if you're doing things in a sophisticated manner using Lambda, um, then extensions is going to be interesting to you. Moving on to the topic of uh, EKS, Amazon EKS pods running on AWS Fargate now support custom security groups. So this gives you fine grained control over incoming and outgoing network traffic. Now, AWS Fargate runs each Kubernetes pod in a VM isolated environment without sharing resources with other pods. With custom security groups, you can add additional defense in depth by specifying fine grained rules that allow inbound and outbound network traffic to and from pods that you deploy on Fargate. And security group policies for Fargate pods can be applied using the same Kubernetes native workflow that's already supported for pods running on Amazon EC2 worker nodes. And if you're an SAP user, the AWS Backint Agent version 1.04 is now available in all commercial regions and GovCloud US regions as well. This is a SAP certified backup and restore solution for SAP HANA workloads running on Amazon EC2 instances. And it makes it easy to backup your HANA databases to Amazon S3 and restore them using native tools like SAP HANA Cockpit, SAP HANA Studio, SQL commands, etc. It supports full incremental differential and log backup. And I can tell you as a backup dude of the past, backup is not interesting or exciting, but super important and really hard and often expensive. And a tool like this makes it better. It's awesome. One quick update in the topic of cost management. Amazon Workspace's Cost Optimizer version 2.3 has added support for existing VPCs and improved billing accuracy and reporting. The Amazon Workspace's Cost Optimizer is a reference implementation that monitors Amazon Workspace's usage patterns and automatically updates the billing mode to be the most cost-efficient option, hourly or monthly, depending on usage. The Cost Optimizer solution saves customers time and money by autonomously managing Amazon Workspace is billing, so customers can, of course, focus on their business. So this solution has now been updated to deploy the solution in existing VPC. Nice. 
Moving on to the topic of databases, we're happy to announce Postgres SQL 13.2, 13.1 and 12.6 version support for Amazon RDS on AWS Outpost. So if you're an Outpost user and you want those versions, you have them now. We also now have R5D instances and lookup cache for Amazon Neptune. And I'm excited because I get to use a whole lot of cool names here. So starting now, you can launch your RDF Sparkle or Apache Tinkerpop graph application using R5D instances on Amazon Neptune. I know Nikki enjoyed me saying all those little terms at the same time. And the R5 instance type is pretty cool. It's based on the EC2 Nitro system, includes local NVMe-based SSD block-level storage. And the Neptune R5D instances introduce a lookup cache that leverages the low-latency NVMe SSD storage to improve read query performance and reduce data retrievals from storage. So if you've got lots of repetitive and frequent lookup of uh, RDF literals, etc., this will move it into that temporary store for you and make it faster or as I like to say faster which is even better than faster and if you're an Amazon <laughs> Neptune user the Amazon Neptune team have simplified the console experience for creating Neptune clusters and Neptune notebooks the new experience allows you to provision a new cluster and a new notebook instance at the same time and now customers only need to take one step to get going so uh, we have saved you some steps love it when you save me some steps <laughs> Amazon Key Spaces has a couple updates here. It's uh, now in scope for AWS SOC reports to help you run highly regulated Apache Cassandra workloads more easily. So Amazon Key Spaces for Apache Cassandra is a scalable, highly available, and fully managed Apache Cassandra compatible database service. And it's now in scope for the system and organization controls reports. So you can, of course, run those highly regulated Cassandra workloads. And uh, they've also now support customer-managed customer master keys for encryption of data at rest to help you meet your compliance and regulatory requirements. So they've basically, you know, helped you run uh, more regulated and secure workloads with these two updates. So you can now use your AWS-owned CMKs, which are, of course, managed by our KMS service. And lastly, for this uh, topic... We have announced global clusters for Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility. So it now supports global clusters. Global clusters is a new feature that provides disaster recovery from region-wide outages and enables low-latency global reads by allowing reads from the nearest Amazon DocumentDB cluster. Global clusters uses fast storage-based replication across regions with latencies typically less than a second using dedicated infrastructure with no impact to your workload's performance. In the unlikely event of a regional degradation or outage, one of the secondary regions can be promoted to full read-write capabilities in less than a minute. You can have up to five secondary regions with global clusters, and each secondary region can have up to 16 replica instances. So if you want to make your Amazon DocumentDB database more highly available, you could take full advantage of global clusters. I just find it mind-blowing how... That is so easy now to set up and how much work it takes to actually get that to work. That's that's so cool. It's like I know, right? Yeah. Like you said that in like latency is less than a second. (laughs) Crazy. There's so much work that makes that happen. Oh dear. We're moving on to the topic of developer tools. There's a new digital course called Improve Code Quality with Amazon Code Guru Reviewer. And you can use learn how to use this uh, particular capability to improve this quality and security of your code. 
Also, in the topic of end user computing, Nice DCV has released version 2021.1 with accurate audio video synchronization. So, if you're not familiar with Nice DCV, it's a high performance remote display protocol that helps customers securely access remote desktop or application sessions, including 3D graphics applications hosted on servers with high performance GPUs. And so, this new feature and uh, reduces the delay between the audio and video streams, and you can now perform workloads like audio and video editing that need more accurate audio and video alignment and there's a bunch of other improvements and also the uh, nice DCV team has released a web client SDK 1.0.1 so this allows you to do things like webcam redirection performance improvements and bug fixes and the nice DCV web client SDK is an optional JavaScript SDK component that lets you get your hands on this capability which is kind of nice. That's awesome uh, that service that I we talked about a couple of about a month ago, the Nimble Studios, I think they use that protocol. So those are great updates for them. So all the people working in production are probably very happy right now. Indeed. Moving on to the topic of front-end web and mobile. Uh, this first one I'm pretty excited about. Amazon Location Service is now GA. Uh, so we have announced the Amazon Location Service, which is a fully managed service that helps developers easily and securely add maps points of interest, geocoding, routing, tracking, and geofencing to your application without compromising data security, user privacy, or cost. If you've ever written a app with uh, any kind of map or routing or location or directions, uh, this service is awesome. Uh, with this service, you retain control of your location data, protecting your privacy and reducing enterprise security risks. It provides a consistent API across high-quality LBS data providers, all managed through the AWS console. You can add location functionality for use cases ranging from map-based visualization, asset resource tracking, delivery, location-aware user engagement with geomarketing. The console also provides a visual and interactive tool for you to quickly experiment with capabilities like maps, search points of interest, simulate tracking devices, draw geofences, and get directions. It's super easy to use, and it has integrations with, for multiple AWS services, including CloudTrail, CloudWatch, EventBridge, and IAM, as well as AWS KMS. And lastly, in this topic, Amazon API Gateway now supports synchronous invocations of Express workflows using REST APIs. So synchronous Express workflows can now be triggered with API Gateway REST APIs, allowing you to build interactive applications and orchestrate high-volume, short-duration microservices. The invocation of synchronous Express workloads from API Gateway is generally available in all regions where step functions and API Gateway are available. And its synchronous Express workloads are ideal to build high volume, short duration synchronous workloads, such as the orchestration of microservices behind Amazon API Gateway. You can trigger a synchronous Express workflow with API Gateway's REST APIs and take advantage of request transformations, request response validation, and custom domain names. Express Workflows ensures that the steps in your workflow are followed reliably, information is passed between steps, and the errors are handled automatically. That's my favorite kind of error handling. <laughs> Moving on to the topic of <laughs> game tech, Amazon GameLift adds SDK supports and updates for Unreal 4.26. Now, really excited about this update for the Amazon GameLift server SDK. This is an AWS managed service that is trusted by some of the most successful game companies in the world, like Wargaming, Ubisoft, etc. GameLift deploys, operates, and scales dedicated servers in the cloud for multiplayer games. 
and you as a mobile game developer expect to be able to develop iOS and Android games for real-time servers using IL2 CPP. So now that support is available. And this update allows you to expand the audience of your games by building a real-time servers clients for the latest mobile devices. Bunch of other improvements around the Unreal Engine, et cetera, in the SDK, but this really opens up a whole lot of new building opportunities. So check it out. Moving on to the topic of Internet of Things, new LoRaWAN gateway management features generally available for AWS IoT Core for LoRaWAN. So IoT Core for LoRaWAN enables customers to set up a private LoRaWAN network without operating a LoRaWAN network server by connecting their own LoRaWAN devices and gateways directly to the cloud. IoT Core for LoRaWAN now supports three new features to help manage LoRaWAN gateways at scale. These new features enable you to query gateway connection status, customize gateway configuration with the desired frequency subbands for devices to gateway communication, and filter messages at the gateway locally to control gateway backhaul connectivity costs. The first new feature enables you to get real-time connection status of your registered gateways, which allows network operators to monitor or troubleshoot gateway connectivity issues in real-time instead of waiting for the next uplink message timestamp to validate the gateway status. The second feature lets you specify a desired subband or channel plan for your devices to gateway communication when using US915 or AU915 frequency bands. Customizing frequency channel plan per gateway can help you minimize the risk of device traffic collisions from different gateways due to coverage overlaps. And lastly, you can now filter device messages locally at the gateway which helps you control your gateway backhaul connectivity costs. You can specify a list of private network identifiers or LoRaWAN device activation identifiers in your gateway configuration, and only the messages from those identified devices will be routed to the IoT core for LoRaWAN network server in the cloud. For example, a customer with LoRaWAN gateway in a smart building deployment may receive traffic from devices that are outside their network. They can enable device traffic filtering so that only messages received from pre-specified devices are received by IoT Core for LoRaWAN. So that's an awesome update if you use IoT Core for LoRaWAN. And lastly for this topic, there is a new AWS Solutions implementation called Disaster Recovery for AWS IoT. Disaster Recovery for AWS IoT provides a failover strategy for your devices. Customers with critical IoT core workloads can use this solution to store and process their data in a secondary AWS region if the primary region is not accessible by their devices. The solution provides the following new features, a DynamoDB table in the primary and secondary regions configured as a global table to replicate data, IoT rules to forward IoT registry and shadow events to a DynamoDB table, Lambda functions to copy devices, certificates, and policies in primary and secondary regions, step functions in the secondary region to handle retry errors, and Route 53 with health checks and traffic policies to direct traffic from primary to secondary region in case of region failover. That's an incredible amount of work done by one <laughs> AWS solution. Click. <laughs> done. Mo- Click. Mo- moving on to the topic of machine learning. Amazon SageMaker Pipelines now supports callback capability. So remember, Amazon SageMaker Pipelines is the first purpose-built continuous integration and continuous delivery service for machine learning. And so now there's a callback step that lets customers integrate any task or job outside of Amazon SageMaker as a step in the model building pipeline. When a callback step is invoked, the current execution of a SageMaker model building pipeline will pause and wait for an external task or job to return a task token that was generated by SageMaker at the start of the callback step execution. 
So this is really useful for kick off things like Spark jobs on an EMR cluster or doing some ETL stuff in Glue, whole bunch of flexibility there. And speaking of Amazon SageMaker, Amazon SageMaker Data Wrangler now supports Snowflake as a data source. So this can make getting your data ready much more quickly. Once connected, you can interactively query data stored in Snowflake and easily transform data with 300 plus pre-configured data transformations to understand the data, identify potential errors and extreme values with a set of robust pre-configured visualization templates. You can also quickly identify inconsistencies in your data preparation workflow and fix those issues before you go into production. Speaking of going into production, Amazon SageMaker Model Registry now supports rollback of deployed models. Always important to be able to undo what you did. And so now customers can now <laughs> change the status of the deployed model package version in the model registry from approved to rejected. That would have uh, both a, a, a satisfying but disappointing feeling as well. Um, this will trigger the model de deployment CICD pipeline to roll back the current version of the model deployed to the SageMaker endpoint to the latest previous version of the model that was approved for deployment. So make it work again. Amazon recognition custom labels add support for deploying models via the console. So this makes it easy and quicker to go. In fact, a simple button click. Once your model is trained and ready, you just go to the model details page under your project, select use model tab and click the start button. So you can actually start without any coding at all if you want to. And finally, Amazon Polly has launched a new Canadian French neural text-to-speech voice. This is the availability of Gabrielle, Amazon Polly's first French neural text-to-speech voice. And Amazon Polly is a service that turns text into life-like speech. And so now there are a selection of two female Canadian French voices, Chantal, which is a standard TTS voice, and the just-launched Gabrielle. I love the names of the voices. They're the best. One of these days, we're going to get voices named after us. There's a challenge for the Polly team. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a little weird. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Too light. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Imagine if voice lives on forever, you know, because it lives on forever. Yeah. Because that's essentially. not weird. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, moving on to the topic of management and governance, we have announced the general availability of AWS Proton. AWS Proton is the first fully managed delivery service for container and serverless applications. It's designed to provide platform teams the management tools, governance, and visibility needed to provide consistent standards and best practices when managing deployments while helping to increase developer productivity and innovation. Love it when they increase my productivity. Uh, so using infrastructure as code, platform operators can create a template that defines and configures everything needed to provision, deploy, and monitor a service. Developer teams can then select published stacks to rapidly build applications with the confidence they are working with up-to-date validated tools and infrastructure. And as part of this launch, they've announced two new features to the service. The first is that Proton now supports multi-account infrastructures. Uh, so platform operators can use Proton to help configure and manage the architecture securely across multiple AWS accounts. And the second supports IAM condition context keys in Proton APIs. With this additional layer of control, operators can designate which developers can create services based on template characteristics. That is awesome that they released uh, with two new features. Uh, moving on here, Systems Manager is now FedRAMP high compliant. So it is now compliant with the Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program high baseline. With FedRAMP high compliance, you can use Systems Manager to gain operational insights and safely take actions on your workloads in the GovCloud region's authorization boundary. Now, normally we don't actually uh, uh, do these updates, do we, Simon? 
No, normally we don't sort of go on about all the different compliance regimes that are supported by different services because there's lots and it would probably take half the episode and it's not the most exciting thing to listen to. However, uh, you should always check the compliance site that we have, which talks about all the different compliance regimes that different services comply with because having them comply makes your life a lot easier. So uh, this is like a, a reminder, wasn't it, uh, Nikki, to, to, to check on the compliance because yeah. it's always improving, always changing, just like rollouts across different regions are too. Yeah. Uh, in addition to, you know, systems manager now being FedRAMP high compliant, for example, they are also compliant with SOC, IRAP, KISMS, ENS high, OSR, high trust, CSF, and also HIPAA compliant. So it's a lot of compliance for that, that service. So definitely check those out if, uh, if that's something that you need. Systems manager wasn't quite done. Systems manager session manager plugin for CLI is now open source. So the Systems Manager Session Manager plugin, which is a mouthful for the CLI, has now become open source. Customers can access the source code for the Session Manager plugin for the CLI on GitHub, contribute to its development, and use it as a building block to embed Session Manager capabilities into their own applications. With this release, customers get greater visibility into the design and implementation of the Session Manager plugin. Of course, you can also contribute. You can uh, you know, request features report issues, submit PRs, all the things now that it is open source. And lastly for this topic, Amazon CloudWatch has added a control plane API usage metrics across AWS services. So CloudWatch now continuously monitors AWS control plane API activities to generate API call count metrics. AWS control plane APIs are used for administration, management, and access changes, such as creating or deleting an Amazon S3 bucket. API call count metrics in CloudWatch allow you to proactively manage API usage by visualizing metrics in the CloudWatch console, creating custom dashboards, detecting changes in activity with CloudWatch anomaly detection, and configuring alarms that alert when usage approaches a threshold. Nice. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery. AWS removes a NAT gateway's dependence on internet gateway for private communications. So you can now launch NAT gateways in your VPC without associating an internet gateway to your VPC. Now, internet gateway is required to provide internet access to the NAT gateway, but some customers use their NAT gateways with transit gateway or virtual private gateway to communicate privately with other VPCs or on-premises environment and so don't need or want the internet gateway. So now you can configure it that way. AWS Transit Gateway adds Internet Group Management Protocol. You're probably going, what's that? IGMP. That's what it is. IGMP multicast support in four additional <laughs> AWS regions. So uh, this continues to expand the capability of IP multicast support. And AWS Transit Gateway updates the service level agreement to 99.9%. So it was previously 99.95%. Now it's four nines. Exactly. So that's a good thing. Love it. Love it when that happens. Uh, moving on to the topic of security, identity, and compliance, Cognito now supports targeted sign-out through refresh token revocation. So by default, Cognito refresh tokens expire 30 days after a user signs into a user pool. When you create an app, you can set the app's refresh token expiration to any value between 60 minutes and 10 years. Cognito now enables you to revoke refresh tokens in real time so that those refresh tokens cannot be used to generate additional access tokens. Using targeted signout, you have more fine-grained control over the user experience than you do with global signout. For example, you may want to revoke the refresh token associated with a sign-in on a previous device when a user sign-ins on a new device. Even when you want to keep the user sign-in to multiple devices, 
you may want to revoke the refresh token associated with one of those devices if you notice suspicious behavior that may indicate fraud. Cognito also now supports SMS Sandbox from Amazon SNS. Oh, I now have that tongue twister. <laughs> Cognito now supports SMS Sandbox in Amazon SNS. So this is basically Cognito supporting all the stuff I spoke about earlier, which is cool. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> and you don't have to say it anymore. <laughs> AWS Security Hub adds 16 new controls to its foundational security best practice standards for enhanced cloud security posture modeling. Um, my, my regular tip, turn on or use Security Hub to see what you've got switched on, what's at risk, what should be configured better. It's really, really handy. And there are now 16 new controls for the foundational security best practice standard to enhance customers' cloud security posture monitoring. So these are some additional fully automatic checks against Amazon API Gateway, Elastic Beanstalk, RDS, EC2, CloudTrail, Redshift, Lambda, Secrets Manager, and web application firewall as well. So this is 131 security controls that can automatically check your environment for you. And lastly, moving on to the topic of storage, Amazon FSx for Windows File Server now supports file access auditing. So Windows File Server now supports auditing end user access to files, folders, and file shares. You can publish the logs to CloudWatch logs or stream the logs to Kinesis Data Firehose enabling you to query, process, store, and archive logs and trigger actions to further advance your security and compliance goals. Moving on here, you can now identify and copy existing objects to use S3 bucket keys, reducing the costs of server-side encryption with AWS KMS. So S3 inventory and S3 batch operations have added support to identify and copy objects to use S3 bucket keys, which reduce the cost of server-side encryption, with KMS. Bucket keys reduce the request costs by decreasing the request traffic from S3 to KMS. You can now configure your bucket to use an S3 bucket key for KMS-based encryption on new objects. And with this update, you can use S3 inventory and batch operations to configure those bucket keys while creating encrypted copies of millions or billions of existing objects, reducing those costs of server-side encryption. So basically, it's essentially a feature to help you reduce the costs of server-side encryption with KMS uh, using those new S3 bucket keys. Very nice. And last update in this space, you can easily install and manage Amazon EFS utilities on your instances with quick setup. Now, this means you can enable the Amazon EFS client, EFS-utils, across all the Amazon EC2 instances in your organization with just a few clicks. And in addition to installing and configuring the Amazon EFS client, quick setup also supports periodically updating the client just as important to the latest available version. So this is a client that includes a mount helper and tooling to make it easier to perform encryption of data in transit for Amazon EFS file systems. And with Systems Manager Quick Setup, you can automatically configure and update the EFS client on the instances across the accounts and regions in your organization, which is kind of nice. So lots of updates there today, Nikki. And I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about um, both how to listen to the podcast and giving feedback to the podcast. So we continue to try and add the podcast to all the locations you might want to listen to. So recently got uh, added into Amazon Music, of course. You've got Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, you've got the Podcast Network. You've got iHeart. You've got Overcast. You've got Stitcher. You've got good old-fashioned RSS, and I'm a big RSS fan myself. So if there's something that's not there that you want us to have, let us know. If you want to find where all those links are, just go to adbs.amazon.com forward slash podcasts. 
forward slash AWS dash podcast, um, or just search in the search engine usually comes up first, the AWS page for that. And there is also a button on that page called submit questions and feedback. And that's where you can do some audio recording of your feedback or questions that we can use on the show. So that's a fun way to, to interact as well. And of course, the old school way is AWS podcast at amazon.com via email. But Nikki, you also support the new school way of giving us feedback. <laughs> yes. You can send me a Twitter DM if you have feedback for the podcast. We have received a couple and we've definitely taken your feedback into account. You can DM me on Twitter at my Twitter handle, which is knee, like your knee and a key. So that's K-N-E-E-K-E-Y 23. Please send me a direct message. I answer all of them. And uh, definitely we love to hear your feedback and we always take it into account. Excellent. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, keep on building.